But my friend, Brother Marty Blackwater, is going to come bring the word tonight. And we're excited about that. So let's give him a welcome as he comes and uh, bring the word. Thank you, thank you. Hey, guys, so glad you came back tonight. I appreciate it. I pray that uh, it'll be a blessing to you. I'll endeavor to be respectful of your time. A little different flow tonight than we had this morning. You know, this morning was just a time of encouragement and refreshing and, and joy. But I want to give you some information tonight that I think you'll find valuable as a Christian, not only informative, but also uh, encouraging and hopefully motivational as well. So uh, I'm glad you're here. I pray it'll be a blessing to you. Uh, as we said, a little different flow. Let's begin in First Thessalonians chapter 4. Uh, verses 16 and 17, we mentioned this this morning, the Apostle Paul writing. He said, The Lord Himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, with the trumpet of God. And the dead in Christ will rise first, and we who are alive and remain will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. Wherefore, frighten one another with those words. Is that what it says? To frighten one another? No, it says, man, it says comfort one another, right? So for you and I as a Christian, uh, the coming of the Lord should be something that brings us great comfort, you know? And then, of course, here, uh, the Apostle Paul writing in 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 15, beginning in verse 51. He said, Behold, I show you a mystery. We will not all sleep, but we will all be changed in a moment. In the twinkling of an eye, at the last trump, but the trumpet will sound, and the dead will be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. For this corruptible must put on incorruption, this mortal must put on immortality, and when this corruptible shall have put on incorruption, and this mortal shall have put on immortality, then will be brought to pass the saying that is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is your sting? O grave, where is your victory? And then, of course, in the words of Jesus, uh, one of my favorites in John chapter 14, uh, beginning in verse 1, notice what he said. He said, let not your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. He said, I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there you may be also. Now, man, I'll tell you, if that doesn't get you excited a little bit tonight, I don't know what what would, right? Because we believe in in the imminent reality of these verses. They're called the blessed hope of every Christian. And friends... I don't know if and by the time I get finished tonight, I hope you realize where we're standing in time. And it is pretty exciting. Jesus is coming. I know they've been saying that for, for you know, uh, centuries, but we're in the closing of this dispensation. And there's some significant evidence pointing to that reality. Anyway, I want to share some things with you tonight that I can't share everywhere because it wouldn't carry the significance that it may for you because of your familiarity with certain ministries and ministers and maybe your pastor's spiritual heritage uh, as a Rama Bible Training Center graduate, how many of you are familiar, I ask you this this morning, but if you were to hear the name Kenneth E. Hagan, uh, would you say that you've heard that name before? You're familiar with that name? Uh, now, we don't magnify men. We exalt Jesus. But we understand that there were men and ministries uh, and women in ministries that were uh, given for our blessing and our admonition as members of the body of Christ. 
So I want to share some things with you concerning him and his ministry that will be uh, pretty uh, significant information for you. I traveled 11 years with Kenneth Hagin, the last 11 years of his life in ministry. Uh, Kenneth Hagin was born uh, August the 20th, 1917. Now, that's significant uh, due to the fact that that's the same year the Jews began to migrate back to the land of Israel. Now, just prior to uh, his birth, a couple of weeks before he was born, his mother was having trouble with the pregnancy. Now, Brother Hagen didn't come from a perfect family. And a matter of fact, his family was very dysfunctional. His father would leave for weeks, months at a time, never know where he was, and then finally left for good. And that's where they were two weeks before he was born. You don't have to come from a perfect family to be mightily used of God. Uh, and so... Uh, most of us have dysfunctionalism somewhere along the way. <laughs> Are you listening? So anyway, uh, he's she's having trouble with the pregnancy. So he's gone. The husband's gone. She's under stress. She's trying to, you know, provide for uh, the kid she already has. She's pregnant with Kenneth Hagin. So she says, look, I got hungry. I was going to go down uh, to my mom's house. They were opposed to marriage initially. So I was having to swallow my pride, go down there. They lived a couple of blocks, really, and get uh, asked for food. So she said it was a beautiful, sunny August day. And she said, as I walked down the sidewalk, there wasn't a cloud in the sky initially. Uh, and I passed my Aunt Mary's house. And she said, as I did, I heard what sounded like uh, wind blowing through the leaves of trees, and yet there were no trees in the immediate vicinity. She said it kind of unnerved me a little bit, but I kept walking. And then I heard this breeze again. She said, all of a sudden, I looked up into the sky. And she said, earlier there was no cloud, but now there was a single cloud suspended in the sky. And she said, as I looked at it, it began to descend rapidly. And she said, all of a sudden, that cloud came before me on the sidewalk, and Jesus stepped out of that cloud. And she said to me, fear not. For the child shall be born, and he will bear witness concerning my second coming and have a part of the last great revival in the earth. And, of course, then he disappeared. She said, I took off running. I ran to my, my mom's house. She said, when I got there, my mom said, what in the world happened to you? You're white as a ghost. And she told her the story. Now, she said, look, I never mentioned that again. I never, my mother never mentioned it again. She said, look, in my day, if you told somebody a cloud came in front of you on the sidewalk and Jesus stepped out of the cloud and said something, she said, they'd lock you up. They'd think you were nuts. So she said, I never, I never told the story. So later in Brother Hagin's life, in one of the visitations, if you know his ministry, that he had of the Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord told him, I appeared to your mother before she was born. Told him the words he spake, and he confirmed it with her. And he, she said, man, almost jumped out of her skin. So anyway, I said that to say, Brother Hagin, uh, once again, not exalting a man, uh, exalting Jesus, but this ministry was given for you and I, right? So he was a prophet and a teacher. Now, you say, are prophets scriptural under the New Testament? Certainly. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11, what does the Bible say? When Christ ascended, he gave gifts unto men. First, apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. So, prophets, apostles, pastors, teachers, they're given for you and I, our blessing, our benefit, and the maturity of the saints. Can you say amen? 
So, Brother Hagin was a prophet and a teacher. Now, many are familiar with his commission, go teach my people faith. But not many are familiar with the commission, which was to bear witness concerning the second coming of Jesus Christ and have a part of the last great revival in the earth. So I want to kind of concentrate on that. Is that okay this evening? So as a young man pertaining to this second coming of Christ, Brother Hagin had two distinct visions. Now you say, are visions scriptural? Absolutely. Acts chapter 2 and verse 17. What does the Bible say? I believe in validating things with Scripture. In the last days, saith God, I will pour out my Spirit upon all flesh. Right? Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Notice, your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. So if you do have a dream and you don't want to be considered old, just say it was a night vision. Right? So he had two visions, and I want to share them with you because they bear significance. Uh, The first one was in Rockwall, Texas, 1950. Brother Hagin was 33 years old. He was holding a tent meeting. He said, you know, that day uh, it had rained all day, so uh, the, the streets were muddy, you know, and it was kind of dirt roads back in that time. It was a tent meeting. And so he said very few people came out. About 40 people came out that night. And he said, so I just gave a short Bible lesson, and about 9, 9.30, I asked the people to come down to the altar to pray. Now, he said, I went up on the platform, and he said, I knelt by a folding chair, and he said, I began to pray in the Spirit. Now, he said, I never expected to happen what did happen more than I expected to be a man in the moon. Didn't ask for it, fast for it, nothing. He said, all of a sudden I'm praying and I hear a voice say, come up here. He said, I thought a bunch of kids outside the tent were playing, so I just kept praying. He said, then I heard the voice again, come up here. He said, so I opened my eyes and he said, when I did, there was Jesus standing where the top of the tent pole should be. Now, he said, in a moment of time, you understand, not physically, but because he's in the spirit. He said, uh, everyone disappeared from my physical view, uh, the chairs, the people, the pulpit, nothing. And I'm standing before Jesus. Now, listen, this vision was multifaceted, but I want to share with you the, the parts that are pertinent to our discussion. In one facet of this vision, 1950 now, he is suspended in what he said appeared to him to be space. Because it was just utter darkness for miles and miles. There wasn't a bird, a bush, a tree, no sign of life, nothing. And he said, all of a sudden I saw way off in the horizon a light. And he said, it was obviously moving toward me. He said, as it came closer, I could see it was a horse. And then as it came uh, even closer, I could discern there was a rider on a horse. And it approached me rapidly. He said, as this writer approached me, I could then clearly see he was holding a scroll uh, high above his head with his left hand. And in his right hand, he was holding the reins of of the horse. And he came to a stop. And he passed the scroll from his right hand to his left hand to Brother Hagin. And he said, open and read. Brother Hagin said it was a parchment about 12 to 14 uh, inches long. And he said, as I started to read, I was struck dumb. I couldn't speak. So this being or angel, I suppose, laid hands on his head and said, read in Jesus name. So we said, now, there were things written on this scroll that were specific to America and impending uh, potential judgments if there wasn't some turns made. But the one I want to emphasize is at the top of the scroll. 
in bold black letters were written the words four or five times, the time of the end of all things is at hand. The time of the end of all things is at hand. The time of the end of all things is at hand. Four or five times. He said, then Jesus turned to me and said, this is the last great revival. Now, I want you to think about this tonight. 1950. This is the last great revival. He said, now, in the days just ahead, the church will make tremendous advancements in the earth through the power of the Holy Spirit. They will far exceed the impact and working of those things recorded uh, of the early church in the book of Acts. Um, he went on to say, all the gifts of the Spirit will be in manifestation. Then it was written on the scroll, as it was in the days of Noah, so also shall the coming of the Son of Man be. As I finally spoke to Noah and said, in yet seven days, I will cause it to rain upon the earth forty days and forty nights and will destroy every living thing that I've created from the face of the earth. Even now, I'm speaking to this generation, Jesus said. And he told Brother Hagin, Warn this generation. Tell them the time they have left is comparable to the last seven days of Noah prior to the flood. You know what decade we're in since that vision? The seventh. I'm not prophesying. I'm just saying. He said, tell them the time they have left is comparable to the last seven days of Noah prior to the flood. All right. Then he said, now, tell my people, I'm preparing them for my coming. Judgment will come upon the earth, but I will take them out before the worst shall come. Now, I don't know what that means before the worst. We, you know, we've seen some things, but friends, I have an idea we're going to see a lot more. And we're going to be here long enough as an established church like you in communities who are equipped with the word and the spirit People, let me tell you, people are not looking for God in this world we live in today. They are consumed with their own agendas, their own pursuits, their own gods. But when all that starts shaking and comes crumbling down, believe you me, they're going to come running for the God. We saw it on 9-11, man. The churches were packed. And we're going to be here. So he said, you tell them I'll take them out before the worst shall come. But then he told him a second time. This is the last great revival. Now, I want you to think about it. Now, 12 years later, a second vision. Uh, he's in Houston, Texas, December the 12th. He said he was in a small group of people. How many of you know small groups of people? Amazing things can happen. So he said, I'm just minding my business, ministering that evening. All of a sudden, the Spirit of God came on them like a wind. I fell back. Uh, in a trance, and I had a vision. Now, is that goofy? No, that's scriptural. Uh, are trances real? Yeah. What happened to Peter in Acts chapter 10? He went up on the housetop to pray. He fell into a... And he had a vision. So is it scriptural? Absolutely. So Brother Hagin said in this vision, he said, I walk up to what appeared to me to be a beautiful uh, flower garden. He said it was square. There was a white picket fence around it. It was covered with flowers and roses. The aroma was breathtaking. He said, as I approached this garden in the vision, Jesus met me at the gate. 
He said he opened the gate, took me by the hand, closed the gate. And he said, we held hands and we walked down this path uh, to an arbor that was in the center of the garden. And he said, this arbor was likewise covered with flowers. Uh, Once again, the aroma was beautiful. And there were two white marble seats. He said, Jesus sat on one and motioned for me to sit on the other. Now, he said, I came in from the east, so I was looking toward the west of the garden. And he said, I noticed there was a river flowing into this garden. It was pouring tons of water into the garden. This is 1962. Okay. He said, all of a sudden, I'm looking at this, this river, it goes up into the air. It's about 50 feet at its widest diameter, and it narrowed as it came into the garden and once again pouring tons of water. He said, I'm looking at the water, and all of a sudden, before my very eyes, the water transforms into people, millions of people. And he said they were flowing into this garden. They were dressed uh, in every walk of life. There were men in suits, women in evening gowns, blue collar workers, housewives. He said people dressed from other nationalities and ethnic backgrounds. And they were pouring into this garden by the millions. And he turned to the Lord. He said, Lord, what is this? Who are these people? And Jesus said, 1962, this is that which I will do now. In these last hours or last days, I'm going to begin to visit hungry hearts, he said, in what you call denominational churches. He said every denomination other than full gospel. I'm going to visit hungry hearts in every denomination. I'm going to visit hungry hearts in every religion, wherever hearts are open to me hungry for me, seeking God, I'm going to visit them. And I'm going to bring them into the fullness of salvation and the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And he said, and you will have a part of this. Now, friends, if you're young, relatively young, you weren't around in the 60s. Even if you're old, you may have not been in a position where you realize something. In the 1960s, friends, There were no destiny Bible churches. There were no living words. Revolution church. Abiding love. Are you kidding me? None of that existed. There were only mainline denominational churches. And thank God for them. I was raised Southern Baptist. They carried the message of salvation. And we praise God for that. They had Baptist, Methodist, Episcopalian, Catholic, Wesleyan. What else? Presbyterian. So mainline denominational churches. But in 1962, Jesus said, look, this is the last great revival. I'm going to begin to visit hungry hearts in every denomination, every religion. I'm going to bring them into the fullness of salvation of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Because of the fact that in that time, friends, the baptism of the Holy Spirit had been virtually lost to the body of Christ. Revelations that we take for granted. Uh. You know, by the stripes of Jesus, I am healed. Really? Nobody knew that. Are you kidding me? Except a very select few. Nobody knew God was good and the devil was the problem. No one knew the authority of the believer that pastor teaching and the power of Jesus name. All those revelations had been lost except for an undercurrent of a few. Jesus said, here we go now. This is going to be revived. I'm going to visit this entire world. And when I read that, I told my wife, I said, good Lord, man, we're waiting for revival. I said, I think we've missed something. Let me go back here and look. 
Are you listening? So I did a little review from the 1960s. And may I share with you a few things that will just astound you where the body of Christ is concerned? In the 1960s, on the whole continent of Africa, there were approximately uh, 400 million people on the whole continent. Out of 400 million people, only 10 million were Christians. In a little over 50 years now, there's 1.2 billion people on that continent and over 500 million Christians. Every single day on the continent of Africa, 20,000 people convert to Christianity. Every single day. In China, you know, uh, back in the 1950s, the communist regime, uh, they expelled all the missionaries that left behind one million evangelicals and three million Catholics. In over just a little over 50 years, that one million evangelical Christians have now grown to over 200 million in China. And that's just the ones we can count. Because they've got underground churches. They've got uh, secret meetings. There's a lot of persecution going on there. And the revival in China is characterized by signs, wonders, miracles, divine appearances, resurrections of the dead, the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Every single day in China, twenty, excuse me, ten to twenty-five thousand Chinese convert to Christianity. Woo! Anybody happy about that? Are you listening? Uh, Latin America, you know, in the in the early '60s, there were uh, maybe um, I'm thinking, what was it, uh, 12 million Pentecostals and 17 or so million uh, uh, evangelicals. Now, in over 50 years now, there's over uh, 460 million evangelical Christians. Seventy percent of them baptized in the Holy Ghost. Woo! Forty percent of the world's Pentecostals now live in Latin America. That's grown to 106 million of that denomination. India. How many of you know India? Did you know India has 85 million Christians? And every single month, 100,000 Hindus convert to Christianity amidst great persecution. South Korea, turn of the century, deemed impenetrable to the gospel. No uh, Protestant churches whatsoever. Guess what? From the 1960s forward, 33% of South Korea is now saved. Right? They've got 7,000 churches in Seoul, Korea alone. And some of those churches have over a million parishioners. They send more missionaries around the world than any other uh, nation second only now to the United States of America. And all that has happened since 1960s. Jesus said, here we go. This is the last great revival. I'm going to begin to visit hungry hearts in every place, every church, every religion, every nation, wherever uh, hearts are open. He said, places you never even thought I would visit, I'm going to visit. A friend of mine who's a missionary sent me a link to Al, uh, Al Jazeera satellite television. And um, it was a, an interview between um, a, a Saudi cleric and a fellow Muslim. And so this, this Muslim interviewer said, or the Saudi cleric said, there's a tragedy occurring in Islam. He said, what's the tragedy? He said, 667 an hour. 16,000 a day 
almost six million a year of our Muslims are converting to Christianity. He said, you got to be kidding me. He said, no. He, mean, he said, you mean from all other religions to Christianity? He said, no, from Islam alone. Are you listening? Friends, look. You're a part of something amazing. Sometimes we look at our particular sphere of life and, and what we see, and we don't realize what's happening in a global perspective. Right? Jesus said, look, this Latter-day Church will far exceed the impact of the book of Acts. Well, you know, the largest number of people that we see saved in the book of Acts at one time is 3,000, then 5,000. That happens every 25 minutes now, globally. Right? When you close your eyes tonight and you open your eyes tomorrow, there'll be 175,000 more Christians on the planet. We're the largest religion in the world. We're the fastest growing religion in the world. Islam is not the fastest growing religion in the world. We count new births. They count births. We count new births. Are you listening? So we're the largest religion in the world. Tremendous things are happening. We are in revival as the body of Christ worldwide. Tremendous things are happening. And we're going to see it here in America as well. You know, 75% of Americans claim Christianity. That's about 225 million. But did you know 51% of all people, uh, Christians that go to church, claim 51% of them claim also the baptism of the Holy Spirit and believe in the gifts of the Spirit? So churches like this one, all over America were non-existent in the 60s. You're sitting in this house tonight as a result of one of the greatest outpourings of the Holy Ghost in history. Right here. There are more Christians on the planet than there were people in 1900. 1900, there was 1.9 billion people on the whole planet. Now there's 2.18 billion of us. Woo! People say, man, we've got to reap the harvest. It is being reaped, friends. And we might as well end up with a bang. How many of you believe that? So people say, well, praise God. What do we do now? I'm like, What's God's plan? I'll tell you what His plan is. God's plan is the same plan He's always had. His plan is you and His plan is me. The sons and the daughters, the servants and the handmaidens. Anointed the Spirit. Acts 2.17 again, notice. In the last day, saith God, I'll pour out My Spirit upon all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Right? Your young men shall see visions. Your old men shall dream dreams. And upon My what? My servants. Not the apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, and teacher exclusively. Upon My servants and upon My handmaidens. In those days, I will pour out of my spirit. They will prophesy. I will show wonders in the heavens above, signs in the earth beneath. And notice verse 21. And it will come to pass that whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Friends, look, this is our time. This is our season. Ecclesiastes 3 and 4 says to everything. Or is it verse 1? To everything there is a season. A time for every purpose under heaven. One translation says now everything has its appointed hour. Man, this is our time and season as the body of Christ. What we do, we have to do quickly. We have to do powerfully. We have to do accurately. 
And we cannot do it in the arm of the flesh. It's got to be done through the power of the Holy Ghost. And it isn't it about the fivefold ministry exclusively. And that's what I want you to take home with you tonight. It's about you and me. The sons, the daughters, the servants, and the handmaidens, anointed of the Spirit, led by the Spirit, empowered by the Spirit, impacting people's lives supernaturally, declaring the name of Jesus from the mountaintop in the marketplace, not just in the four walls of the church. Amen. So, just before Brother Hagin's departure in 2003, he transitioned uh, to heaven. Uh, of course, and then uh, we were in a Holy Ghost meeting. Man, we used to have seven years of Holy Ghost meetings. They were great, great times in, in the Spirit and presence of God. And there was a deep flow of the Spirit one evening, and he began to see into the realm of the Spirit and began to prophesy. And I just want to share this with you because it's the times we're living in now. And he went on to say by the Spirit, he said, look, if it could be told you, if it were possible for you to look into the future and to see that which is coming, he said, your hearts would be glad. If you could look into the future and see that which is in store, it would be difficult for some of you even to believe. But it shall surely come. The power of God in manifestation shall come. And he went on to say where there's been a few saved here and a few filled with the Spirit here and a few healed here and there. He said many will be saved, many will be filled with the Spirit, and outstanding healing here and outstanding healing there, many healings. He said, as Elijah said, I hear the sound of the abundance of rain. First, he said, I see a cloud the size of a man's hand rising out over the sea. You remember that story? Brother Hagin said, listen, he said, I hear, uh, I, I see a cloud. He was in the Spirit. He said, rising on the horizon of time, and I hear the sound of the abundance of rain. He said, glory to God. The rain is coming. The latter rain falling upon His saints falling upon good ground. And when that Spirit manifests Himself, all those around will be blessed. Not only will you be blessed and your family be blessed, but everyone that you come in contact with will be blessed and a blessing you will be. Now, he went on to say, are you listening to me tonight? Here's the next part. Now sit and say, let's see it come. And when it comes, I'll rejoice, and nothing will happen. Now, why? Because, friends, when God speaks by the prophetic word or the written word, He does so with the expectation that you and I, as the believer, that we believe that word, we begin to move toward it in faith, and we actually become the catalyst through which it comes to pass. So the Holy Ghost said, now sit and say, well, let's see it come. And when it comes, I'll rejoice. See what come? What I just, what he prophesied about. Healing, salvations, miracles, the reign of the Spirit, the glory of God. Sit and say, let's see it come. And when it comes, I'll rejoice and nothing will happen. Then he goes on to say, but arise. Rise. Are you listening? Leap. A walk in the light. Arise, leap into the realm of the Spirit. Not into the shallows, but into the depths. Are you listening? And he said, then the rain will come, and the glory will fall, 
and the healings will be in greater manifestation and your hearts will be glad. So, how many of you realize that Christ is the head? Colossians chapter 1 and verse 18, the Bible says, Jesus is the head, right? We're the what? The body. Now, how many of you know, even in the natural, the purposes of the head are contingent upon the cooperation of the body. It doesn't matter how much my head wants to walk over to Pastor Stephen. Guess what? If my body doesn't carry me, the head's not going anywhere. Right? And how many of you know the same principle applies where the purposes and plans of God are concerned? You're the head. I mean, he's the head. We're the body. The purposes of the head are contingent upon the cooperation of the body. But now listen, listen. Here's the reality. I can't participate in things I don't perceive. Right? Are you listening? If the purposes of the head are contingent upon the cooperation of the body, and he needs my cooperation, but guess what? I can't participate in things I don't perceive. And I can't perceive the leadings of the Spirit unless I'm walking and living in the Spirit. Now, when I talk about walking and living in the Spirit, I'm not talking about walking around in some kind of trance. Right? Or state of euphoria. I'm talking about a place that you occupy in God where you see things and you know things and you perceive things that you will not see or know or perceive otherwise. Are you listening? Notice what John said in Revelation chapter 1 and verse 10. John said, I was in the Spirit on the Lord's day. And guess what? He said, I saw things. I heard things that I would not have seen or I would not have heard otherwise. Now, let me share this scripture with you. First Corinthians chapter 2, beginning in verse 9. Paul said, look, I... Hath not seen. What? Natural eyes. I have not seen, ear has not heard, neither has entered into the heart of man the things that God has prepared for those that love Him. Right? So we said, look, natural eyes can't see it, natural ears can't hear it, it's not intellectually discerned, but He's revealed them unto us. How? By Spirit. For the Spirit searches all things, yea, the deep things of God. For what man knows the things of a man, save the Spirit of man which is in him? Even so, the things of God knows no man, save the Spirit of God. Now, we've received not the Spirit which is of the world, but the Spirit which is of God, that we might know the things freely given to us of God, which things also we speak, not in the words which man's wisdom teacheth, but in that which the Holy Ghost teacheth, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. Now, here's the verse I want you to see. Verse 14, look. For the natural, what's that mean? Unregenerate, unborn-again person. The natural man perceives not the things of the Spirit. Go ahead and give me that next slide. It should be there. The natural man receives not the things of the Spirit, for they are what? I guess I didn't give that to you. That's fine. The natural man perceives not the things of the Spirit, for they are foolishness unto him. Now, one translation says receives not. One translation says perceives not. Right? So, let me ask you a question. If a natural, unborn-again person cannot perceive the leadings of the Spirit, or the things of the Spirit, can a carnal Christian 
One who's preoccupied with the natural, right? Probably not as readily, right? So, if we're going to perceive the leadings of the Spirit, then we're going to have to walk and live in the Spirit. Why? Because I can't perceive, I can't participate in things that I don't perceive. Notice Acts 14, 8 through 10. You guys are listening good tonight. Acts chapter 14, 8 through 10. I'm trying to equip you to go out and impact people's lives. This is, Christianity isn't about sitting in the pew. It isn't about coming to church here in the sermon, going out the same way you came in. It's about taking what you get, go out there, and impact people's lives in a supernatural way. Acts 14, 8 through 10. There sat a certain man at Lystra, impotent in his feet, being crippled from his mother's womb, who never had walked. The same heard Paul speak. Now watch Paul. Here's what I'm trying to get to you. Who steadfastly beholding him. That means he's looking at the guy and did and doing what? Perceiving that he had faith to be healed, said, stand upright on your feet. And the man, of course, stood up, leaped, walked, praise God. He's completely healed. Now notice the perception preceded the action. Paul, looking at the guy, and in his spirit, he's having a conversation. There's a knowing. There's a perception. This guy's got faith to be healed. He gave the faith command. The guy got up, completely healed. I'm convinced of the most effective faith is that which is directed by and empowered by the Holy Spirit of God. Are you listening? I know you are. So, this is the way Jesus lived. It's the way he operated his life. Uh, he, he said, look, everything... That I do and say I do in response to the Father's guidance. Look, John 5 and 19. Then answered Jesus and said unto them, Verily I say unto you, Look, the Son can do nothing of Himself. Right? Really? He's Jesus. The Son can do nothing of Himself. What He sees the Father do. For what the Father does, the Son does likewise. So once again, Jesus said, Look, I'm living my life. I'm executing my ministry in direct response to the Father's leading. I say what He says. I do what He says to do. And that's the relationship that you and I have. So we've got to live that way. Now listen, the first part of that vision in 1950 where He said, come up here, He's in the tent meeting. I didn't share this with you, but I want to. The very first thing that happened when He said, come up here, Brother Hagin said Jesus was holding what appeared to him to be the most beautiful crown he'd ever seen in his life. He said the jewels in that crown were absolutely breathtaking. He said beyond description. And so he said to Jesus, he said, Lord, what is this crown? And Jesus said, this is a soul winner's crown. He said, but I say to my people, go here, speak to this one, minister to that one. But he said, my people are so busy, preoccupied, insensitive, that they don't take what we would call their divine cues. And he said, as a result, souls are lost. People go unministered to. Why? Because the purposes of the head depend upon the cooperation of the body. Right? So, my sister, you know, I think people think you have to be some kind of super-duper Christian for God to use you. She's not a Bible school graduate. She doesn't know an arsenal of verses. Okay? 
you know, but she's a handmaiden of the Lord. She's, you know, got a business, raising a kid and, you know, just doing life. But she stays when she's in the car. She's going to be praying in the spirit or singing worship music, being in the presence of God. And she has a sensitivity about her as a result. Right. And so she said, Baba, she called me Baba because we're brother and sister. She said, I was going down to the bank. She said, down to make a deposit in the drive-thru. And she said, I didn't intend on going anywhere in because I didn't put on any makeup. And so she said, I was just going to drive through. She said, so I'm going down to the, toward the bank and there's an antique store on the right, on the left, excuse me, on the left. And she said, I pass it all the time. Uh, but as I pass that antique store, she said, you know, I had the sense now, are you listening? It's not a voice or a vision always. It's a perception, a sense. She said, I had a sense that I should go into that antique store. She said, but I didn't have any makeup on, so I kept driving. She said, but the further I went, the more grieved I got in my spirit. You know that sense, that check? So she said, I turned around. I know the Holy Ghost. She said, I went into the parking lot, got out, went into that antique store. She said, I had no idea why I was there. So I just start looking at antiques. That's handmaidens on assignment. You want an exciting life? Get hooked up with the Holy Ghost. So she said, all of a sudden I saw, I'll just use, she said, I saw a man and a woman, you know, over in the distance. They were talking to each other. And she said, when I saw that woman, I knew that was my divine target. There's a knowing, Paul steadfastly perceiving. She said, I just knew. Now, my sister's bold as a lion. She could care less what people think. And I like that. You know, it's, it can be used in a good way. So she went over and she interrupted. She said, I don't mean to interrupt your conversation. She said, but ma'am, I'm here on assignment from Almighty God. Right there in the antique store. She said, I didn't even know what the assignment was. See, that's where you take a step. He takes a step. That's where faith comes in. So she said, I'm here on assignment from Almighty God. Well, when she said that, man, that woman started weeping right there in the antique store. She started telling my sister her story. And she said, look, I've been backslidden for a long time. Somebody took me to Sunday school when I was a kid. I remember singing Jesus Loves Me. I remember praying a prayer. But I've grown up. I've gone into the world. I've backslidden. I've had a hard time. She said, but you know, the most pressing thing in my life right now is I've been uh, diagnosed with cancer seven places in my body. And she said, I have been crying out to God to not only restore me in my relationship with Him, she said, but, but to heal me because I'm too young to die. And she, my sister said, well, honey, that's why I'm here. That's why God sent me. It isn't the apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher in the antique store. It's my sister. Are you listening? <laughs> I don't know why I keep saying that, but you are listening, aren't you? So anyway, she, she, my sister said, well, that's why he sent me here. First of all, God loves you. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They're new every morning. He loves you. He's been waiting on you all your life to come back into fellowship with Him. And He sent me here today to show you and demonstrate His love for you. I'm going to pray for you, and I believe He's going to heal you. So my sister laid hands on her. No fire shot from heaven. She just laid her hands on her. She said, Bubba, I just heard myself say, in the name of Jesus, 
I command the spirit of fear and death to come out of you and for you to be healed in Jesus' name. She said, the woman gave her big old hug. She's crying, my sister. You know, like we said, no fire from heaven fall. Just she's there on assignment. See, when you're following the Spirit, God backed you up. Right? So, simple prayer. Went in there. And uh, my sister said, well, God bless you. Uh, I hope you have a wonderful day. And the girl said, hey, could I take your picture with my cell phone, you know? And before you go and get your number, my sister said, sure. So she took her picture, got her number. You know the story. I think it was a month or so later, she got a call, my sister, from this lady. Said, do you remember me? I was in the antique store. My sister said, oh, of course I do. She said, I had to call and tell you something. She said, I got to feeling so much better. I went back to the doctors. I asked them to please run tests. Uh, they said, there's no need. There's nothing we can do for you. She said, please run some tests. So they did, and he, they came out, and they said, well, good Lord, we can't find any cancer anywhere in your body. <laughs> right there in the antique store. Hallelujah. <laughs> I had a couple of Jehovah's Witnesses come to my front door. I went out on the stoop. You know how they, they, they come in pairs. Anybody come out of Jehovah's Witness or familiar? Okay. So we had the, the trainer and the trainee. So I went out on the on the stoop to talk with him, and uh, it was a young guy, and he had a little older fellow there with him. And so I'm, you know, I'm listening. He's trying to, uh, you know, give his little um, spill, so to speak. You know, he's having trouble finding scriptures, so I'm trying to help him find his scriptures because he's trying to do something. I'm trying to be cordial, and uh, I'm listening for a little while, and I kept knowing he, he was holding the side of his face, and he'd start grimacing in pain while he's trying to. And finally, I said, what, what's the matter with you? And he said, man, I don't know. He said, I got so much pain here in my jaw. I think I've got maybe an abscessed tooth or something. I really don't know. Well, when he said that, I got a, a cue, a sense. And I said, hey, can I make you a deal? He said, well, I guess so. I said, now I've listened kindly to what you have to share. I said, but I'm a born again Christian. I'm baptized with the Holy Spirit. I believe that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father except through Him. I believe there's no other name under heaven given whereby men must be saved. Now, if I... Uh, I want to share with you, if you'll allow me, I told him, uh, what we call the four spiritual laws, or, you know, the Roman road, just briefly what I believe is the way of salvation, believing in the heart, confessing in the mouth, you know, so forth. And, and I said, and if what I share with you is valid... And true, that same Jesus will heal you instantly. Deal? He said, deal. Now, the guy with him wasn't so sure about it. So I shared very briefly, you know, the way of salvation. I said, now, let me pray with you. Right there on the front stoop. And, you know, I, I put my hand on the side of his head. Sorry, my hands are cold. My heart's warm. But I put my hands there. And, you know, I didn't go, whoa! And I like to do that in church sometimes. But they no sense in scare the daylights out of people, Right? So I just put my hand, because it's not in the commotion, it's in the name. <laughs> it's not on me, it's on him, right? So I just put my, my hand there, I said, in the name of Jesus. I said, the name above every name. The name whereby men must be saved. I wanted to get it all in, you know. That name, be healed. And God's my witness, when I took my hand off, his eyes got big as saucers. And he starts doing this. And he said, it's gone. It's gone. It's gone. All the pain's gone. And, and, and the guy with him said, come on, we took him and 
took off all off the front porch. I said, hey, wait a minute. We've got to close the deal here. How many of you know God will heal sinners? Absolutely. It's a calling card for the goodness of God. I took a drunk one night. I was out and I took him by the hand. He, he was on there, he, you know, and I went up to him and said, hey, don't you know God loves you? He said, I know it. And I said, Jesus doesn't want you to live this way. I know it. Obviously, he'd also, a lot of backslidden people out there, they came in contact with Jesus when they were young. He knew. And I said, listen, he doesn't want you to live like this. I said, take my hand. Well, when I took his hand, I didn't expect this to happen. Didn't even think about it. But when I took his hand, the anointing went in him and instantly evaporated all the alcohol out of his system. And he cussed. He said the D word. He said, D, I'm sober. I said, I know you are because God wants you to pay attention to what I'm telling you. <laughs> and I just prayed with him. He prayed with me. I gave him some money. He said, now go God booze. Go buy some food. God loves you. You know, that sort of thing. Friends, that's in all of us. We're carriers. Amen. God wants to use you. Every one of you, 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 in the people that you come in contact with. You don't have to be a super duper Christian. You just got to be available. Do the best you can. Love God, but be available. Amen. So. uh, Where am I? Yeah, we said this. We said, look, if we're going to proceed the leadings of the spirit, then we got to walk and live in the spirit. And if we're going to walk in the spirit, guess what? We've got to stay filled with the Spirit, right? And so I just want to submit to you. One way that you can stay filled with the Spirit is incorporating into your life on a consistent and habitual uh, uh, basis certain spiritual exercises that nurture a life in the Spirit. And one of them, not the only one, but one of them, friends, is to pray more earnestly in the Spirit. See, things can become so common to us, we don't even do it anymore, or maybe it's a few minutes in church or something like that. But praying more earnestly in the Spirit. Now, when I say pray in the Spirit, what does that mean? Well, we let the Bible interpret the Bible. 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 2. Notice what the Scripture says, what Paul said. If I speak in an unknown tongue... I speak not unto men, but unto God, for no man understand him. Listen, how be it? Somebody say the next phrase. In the Spirit, he speaks mysteries. So Paul says, when you're praying in the Spirit, you're praying in this supernatural language called unknown tongues. Right? And so it has blessing. It has benefit. Uh, Brother Hagin used to say there's two ways of getting in the Spirit. One, the Holy Ghost just takes you there instantly. Boom, you're in the Spirit. Right? Other, he said a second way is you can play, pray long enough in other tongues until you pray into a place where you see things and you know things and you perceive things that you would not know or perceive or see Otherwise, first Corinthians 14, and I'm not going to take all night here. I'm closing down. But first Corinthians 14, notice 14 and 15. Paul said, if I pray in an unknown tongue, what's happening? 
My spirit's praying, but my understanding is unfruitful. What is it then? I'll pray with the Spirit. I'll pray with the understanding also. I'll sing with the Spirit. I'll sing with the understanding also. So Paul said, look, you've got the benefit of praying in two dimensions. As a child of God, you can pray as a natural person out of your mental realm, your brain, your physical, or you can also pray as a spirit being. How many of you know, man, you're a spirit You live in a physical body, but that's not the essence of who and what you are. We are spirits. We're clothed in a physical body. But Paul said, look, you can communicate with God in that language of the realm from which you really exist. Outside the limitations of your brain and your intellect. Well, is it beneficial? Guys, I guess so. The Apostle Paul prayed excessively in the Spirit and he had tremendous signs, wonders, and miracles and wrote half the New Testament by revelation. Look what he said, 1 Corinthians 14, 18 and 19. He said, look, I thank my God. I speak in tongues more than you all. Right? Yet, in the church, I'd rather speak five words uh, with my understanding that by my voice I might teach others also than 10,000 words in an unknown tongue. Now, basically what he's saying, look, I pray a lot in the Spirit and I'm really happy about it and I thank God for it, but it's not when I'm standing up in front of you, right? I want you to be edified with me speaking intelligibly where you can understand it. Well, if he prayed more than all the Corinthian church... In tongues, but it wasn't in the church. Where was it? In his own private devotional prayer life throughout his day. And man, it was a great benefit. So, Howard Carter. I'm going to give you three quotes and we're closing. Howard Carter, who was the founder of the first uh, Pentecostal Bible College in Great Britain. He said, look, speaking in tongues is not just to be the initial evidence of being filled with the Spirit, but it is to be a continual source of infilling throughout one's life, a flowing stream that never runs dry. Smith Wigglesworth, anybody ever heard of Smith Wigglesworth? Man, he had 27 people raised from the dead, documented. I guess he knows a little something about the power of God. He said, listen, uh, uh, he said, uh, it is a luxury to be filled with the Spirit, but it is also divine command. Not to be drunk with wine, but to be filled with the Spirit. He said, no Pentecostal person should get out of bed in the morning without first getting lost in the Spirit, speaking to themselves in other tongues. He said, I maintain the opinion that if one would be continually filled with the Spirit, he will speak in the Spirit, morning, noon, and night. Are you, you getting that? Man, start making it a lifestyle. We don't make a fool of ourselves out in public in front of people that don't understand. But when you're driving in your car, when you're in the shower, when you're getting ready in the morning, pray in the Spirit. Speak in the Spirit. And I'll give you one more. John G. Lake. He was an apostle to the continent of Africa. Tremendous uh, miracle signs and wonders healing ministry here in the U.S. Uh, He made this statement. He said, I'd like to speak to you with the utmost frankness concerning this particular language of tongues. 
He said, I speak it mostly in the nighttime. He said, I found it to be not only uh, uh, an invaluable, excuse me, not only the source of power that I operate in on a daily basis, but an invaluable source of revelation knowledge that I preach to people every day. Is it a source of power? Is it a source of revelation? Obviously so. If his assertion's true, we should be able to prove it from the Scripture. Here's one, one final. I keep telling you that, but this is the one. 1 Corinthians 14 and 4. Is it a source of power? Listen. He who speaks in an unknown tongue does what? Edifies himself. I like the Knotts translation. It says, he who speaks in an unknown tongue strengthens his own faith. The Webster says, or the Beck says, encourages himself. The Webster says, he who speaks in an unknown tongue receives an uplifting and strengthening influence. What's that influence? The Holy Spirit of God. So listen, friends, all I want to say to you tonight, and I thank you for your patience. Jesus is coming. He is And before He comes, He's counting on us to reap whatever's left, you know, with the harvest, to do our part in our sphere of life and influence, in our places of business, in the marketplace, and so forth. But we're going to have to what? If we're going to participate, we've got to perceive the leadings of the Spirit. If we're going to perceive the leadings of the Spirit, we've got to walk in the Spirit. If we're going to walk in the Spirit, we need to stay filled with the Spirit because there's something about praying in other tongues. I can tell you from personal experience, it it elevates your spiritual consciousness and perception. You're just more sensitive. So tonight, before we leave, I just want us to, to stand in the moment. Not at the moment, but I'll tell you, just in the moment. Let's just stand and let's just get a fresh anointing, if you will, uh, begin to what? To drink deeply of the Spirit. Remember we mentioned Ephesians 5.18 this morning. Be not drunk with wine, but be filled with the Spirit. Did you know you can be filled with the Spirit on purpose? Consciously make a decision. I'm going to sit here and be filled with the Spirit. And you can just start. And you can begin to be filled with the Spirit. That's not the only way, but it is one way. And when you're praying like that, you're not necessarily praying in public for an interpretation, for the edification of the body. This is where you're edifying yourself. Are you listening? And you need to do more of it. Because if you will, all of us, you're going to find yourself in a different place, more perceptive, having amazing encounters with people and being a blessing. All right. So let's all stand in this house. Now, if you're here tonight and I want you to start my track. If you're here and listen, you've never uh, been baptized with the Holy Spirit. Everybody right here, I want your attention just for a moment. You know, there's a difference in being born of the Spirit and being baptized with the Spirit. There's a difference in the Spirit within and the Spirit upon. How many of you know that and realize it? I know you're well taught. But if you're here this evening and you've been born again, 
You have the Holy Spirit within you. If you're born again, the Spirit of God is on the inside of you. You can't be born again unless He is. So if you've confessed Jesus as Lord, the Spirit of God's in you. But there's also a baptism where you're immersed in the person, presence, and power of the Holy Spirit. When I was 18 as a Southern Baptist, I was born again. But I went to a Catholic Bible study. And I came out baptized in the Holy Ghost, speaking in other tongues during the charismatic renewal. And it changed the entire course and direction of my life. So if you're here and you've never experienced that tonight, and you're ready, you say, well, I've seen it in the Scripture. I do believe in it, but I've never really experienced or spoken in other tongues. But I would like to receive that experience. We'll be happy to pray for you and lay hands upon you uh, and agree with you to receive Is there anybody in here tonight, Brother Marty, I'd like to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking in other tongues. Raise your hand if that's you. Anyone. I'm not going to push you, shake you down, you know, push you on the ground right over here. We're just going to lay hands very gently, beautiful. Anybody else? I'd like to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Anyone? All right. Praise God. Would you mind coming? Let me lay hands on you. Now, listen. Turn up that track just a little bit. Let it kind of fill the atmosphere. And what's your name? Okay. Now, Tiffany, you are born again. You've asked Jesus in your heart. So you've got the Holy Spirit within you. So what happens is, I'm going to lay hands upon you in a moment. I'm going to ask you to take a deep breath. And we're going to expect you to be filled with the Spirit. And what happens is, this language comes up out of your, your belly. Uh, It's not necessarily a physical experience. It's a spiritual one, even though you may sense it physically or emotionally. But it comes up out of your spirit. Now, in the Bible, it says in Acts chapter 2, they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. And notice, and they begin to speak with tongues as the Spirit gave them the utterance or the words. So the point is, you speak and he gives the words. Uh, Some people stand with their mouth closed. Well, you can't even speak in English with your mouth closed. So it takes a little faith to step out. But once we pray, whatever sounds or syllables come up on the inside, if you'll just speak them out, then your tongue will get hooked up with your spirit and you'll begin to speak in that language. Does that make sense? And it's nothing to be fearful about at all. All right? So, everybody stretch your hands out toward Tiffany. And I just want you to open your heart to Him. And I want you to pray this prayer with me. I want you to say, Lord Jesus, I confess You as my Lord. And I ask You right now, baptize me with the Holy Spirit. And I will speak in other tongues as you give me the words. Now I want you to take a deep breath and be filled. That's it. That's the Holy Spirit. Now you keep building to that. Esa papa That's the Spirit of God. 
Ora de bagrete lara de bordo si cara de yes yes ora de masara de plante beautiful beautiful it's coming right out of your spirit ole bagrete de la nomo ese cara de lero de bogranda la tu Cristo lara de bolocata ele é corista yes 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 sorry te para keep speaking for a moment that's so precious lay your hands on her belly Pastor Stacy very gently and just keep praying with her she's just praying right out of her spirit beautiful now guys I want you to close your eyes tonight every person in this room and I want you to begin to speak in the spirit out of your belly and just let it come up out of the depths of your being not something shallow but something deep not hollering in the spirit but speaking in the spirit let's all pray together for a moment oh not for the purpose of interpretation but for corporate edification ora de masera de barrege liaro de boronda bacatre yesu quero de beche maybe it's been a while since you prayed in the spirit right here in the presence of the lord begin to give voice to that again Ora de mescera da de mataro de porrete e sore de lendore di pacrasta ora de mescera de batisa repul presa ora de mescera de baratiaca ora de bagrenze greshika Lord touch this precious heart e se cara de lenati corriete e paparacci ora de barose verreci I sent your presence upon her. Yes, your head is upon Alana maraje rego gronde rego ca Cristo de lo tachica. Oh, they just saturate her right now, Lord, with your peace, your comfort, your spirit. Oh, reshade de de batiza. Jesus bobavaracica. Renor, yes, yes. Era de borrage, era de borrando, bacara da de bocasca, da 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 da. That's it. E bacara de borrando, bacasa. Let's all just keep drinking. Leise queda de borrechiete. Beautiful, beautiful. E chadere de borrechi, Christ reisha da 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 da. Thank you, Lord, for fresh oil, fresh anointing. E papa cavaracci aso. A fresh anointing. A fresh anointing. As they minister to these young people, Lord. Thank you for the fire of the Holy Ghost. The anointing of the Spirit. Resting upon them. Ye papakarachi koreshikoro. Come on, let's speak a little more. Every voice. Every voice. 
Let that language come up out of the depths of your spirit. Christ. Maybe it's been a while. You speak, He gives the words. Allow that language to become more articulate. Get ready for divine assignments. Get ready for the Holy Ghost to lead you in supernatural assignments. In the course of people's lives divine interventions going to use us as ordinary people doing extraordinary things thank you Jesus every person in this room oh Bereche Lord we drink deeply of the spirit from the youngest to the oldest, Lord, anoint with a fresh oil tonight. Yesu karade marege, oru de le davarai jele doru de bagrando, o si karajele jele deli oru de bagrace, o o o o si karaje deto, ye bavarachi, o zoro de varage de varishi ke, o rasaka. Thank you, Lord. Something unexpected coming your way. Perhaps isn't even crossed your mind. But God has something unexpected in your life for you, planned for you. And it'll come to pass. It'll come to pass. Seek Him with all your heart and He'll direct your paths. Ye The more we drink, the more saturated we become. Oh, Papa Caro de Masica. Ye Papa Caro de Borenge, Leda de Borazo, Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, we give you praise, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Ora de Barreci Christe, Saradada de Borangi, Ah, Jesusio. Lord, I just ask you to touch with your presence tonight. Your reality. Thank you, Lord. I see his heart. It's good. Reveal yourself to him more and more. Thank you, Lord. Oh, Papa Seto. Restoration. Brescello, Picrigi, Aratu, Seligi, Gebrongi, Seprigetto, Esabacaraccia. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. Seredi arripa preti Christi asko. 
Listen, the, the Word of the Lord comes to me quite often. Psalms, hymns, spiritual songs. and The Word of the Lord came to me recently. It's coming up in my spirit again. But He said, the door that now stands open will soon begin to close. As with swiftness and acceleration, this final season goes. And yet there is a remnant that still must enter in. And once they've taken their place in the kingdom, then the time of sorrows will begin. So listen carefully to the Spirit, because He speaks of things to come. And let your heart be strengthened. And let the Father's will be done by being mindful of His presence in every step that you take and by staying filled with the Spirit an impact in the lives of many you will make. And His presence will overtake you and God's glory men will see. And Jesus will be glorified in you and in me. Because the Spirit is calling to hearts that will hear to arise now in this hour and to move boldly without fear. For the time is short and the work is great. So don't pull back. Don't hesitate. Because the world stands in need of the glory of God. Even now I am anointing those who will receive. And I'm sending forth to do great exploits those who will believe. And your eyes will behold what has been spoken and foretold as you stretch forth your hands in faith. Say not, I'm not worthy. I can't go. I can't do because my blood has made you worthy. And remember, it is I, not you. So arise and take this glorious gospel that resides within your spirit and preach and prophesy and demonstrate and let the world hear and let them see it. In Jesus' name. Thank You, Lord. Thank You, Lord. Father, I want to thank You for this church. Thank You for this people. Thank You for the young, the old, the in-between. You've appointed them to this community. They have a significant spiritual DNA, and I know it's for this time and this season. And the best is yet to come. I ask You to anoint every vessel to put a fresh fire in their loins, Lord, in their spirit. Let them speak and move in accordance with the Holy Ghost and fill this church with people whose lives are touched by these members outside the doors of this church. I know it. I see it and I thank You for it in the mighty name of Jesus. And everybody said, Amen, Amen, Amen. Listen. 
you take anything home with you, take this. You're a son, you're a daughter, you're empowered with the Holy Ghost. Everywhere you go, you're carrying something. Amen. We love you. Thank you for your time tonight. Hope it was a blessing for you. I'm going to turn it back to Pastor. Hallelujah. Well, I don't know about you, but that's got me more stirred up. Amen. More joy. Amen. I was thinking when he was uh, ministering there, John, uh, what is it, John 4, 35, where it says, you know, don't say that there's yet four months to the harvest. But look, the harvest is ripe. The field is ripe. How long have we been saying we're waiting for that last end time revival? You know, we'll see it one day. Yeah, but we're in it. We're in it right now. Listen, go be a light. You know, shine your light bright. Listen, he didn't put he didn't put the light in you to hide under a bushel, to hide under a to hide in a in a closet somewhere. He put it in you because a light on a hill. That, that scripture says that a city set on a hill cannot be hid, and that city set on a hill draws people to it. If, if you if you saw it, you know back in the day that that was written, that mean that meant a lot more than like now. Lights are everywhere, but back then. There wasn't, there wasn't a lot of lights. So when a city was sitting up on a hill, you could see it for a long, long way away. And what did it do? I'm going to that. I'm going to those lights. It draws you. I was thinking you said, you said one thing. You, you said back in 50, I remember Brother Hagin saying that, that the, I think the Lord told him that, that people were distracted. That was in 19, in the 50s. Think about how much more distraction we have in the, 2020s 2021 let's stop being distracted church come on let's start listening to the voice of the spirit you know let's he that have ears to hear let him hear he that has eyes to see let him see come on let's let's go make a difference in Lancaster let's go make a difference in in South Carolina let's make a difference in North Carolina let's make a difference on the east coast Oh, is that even possible? Well, if you sit, if you sit on if you sit on your on your backside and say, "Well, I'll, I'll rejoice when I see it," you'll be sitting there a while. But you know what? If we just simply if we simply are the servants and handmaidens of the Lord, come on, being led by His Spirit, we can we can make we can we can be world changers.
I don't have no more surgery. 